This is Laree Daniel Favors, and welcome to The Hub. Listen, uh, we are in our hood medicine segment and we have just gone from talking about Crohn's disease uh, and inflammatory disease. And now we are going back to the world of prostate cancer. You all may recall we had these gentlemen with us uh, before to talk about uh, what is what we need to know when it comes to prostate cancer. Y'all know that personally, this is a challenging topic for me. I recently buried my father, uh, who was, uh, prostate cancer was one of the many cancers uh, that ended up taking his life. So when we talk about the need for early diagnosis, when we talk about the need for uh, making sure that we are paying attention to the signs, I really take this seriously. So I'm so grateful for uh, Dr. Reggie Tucker Seeley being back with us today. He is the VP of Health Equity at Zero, the end of prostate cancer. Uh, And Dr. Tucker Seeley leads the development and implementation, I've got inflammation on the brain, guys, implementation of Zero's health equity strategy to reduce racial, ethnic, and place-based disparities in prostate cancer. Uh, He completed his master and doctoral degrees in public health at Harvard, uh, the Harvard T.H. Kahn School of Public Health, and a postdoc fellowship in cancer prevention and control at Harvard and the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. Uh, His research focuses on social determinants of health across the life course, and he has a longstanding interest in the impact of health policy and social policy on racial and ethnic minorities and across Across some social, I'm sorry, I said across some groups. No, no, folks, the word is socioeconomic groups. I don't know what's happening with my language today. Uh, joining him is Chris Bennett, who is the Director of Health Equity, Community Organizing, and Engagement at Zero. Uh, Chris is a dedicated public health professional with years of experience in the public health sector centered around health equity and health disparities. Before he came to Zero, Chris designed and managed programs in homeless service and community health care uh, and worked in the political sector, collaborating with state and local local level politicians on health equity and advocacy. Both of these folks are here with us today, and I'm so grateful to have them here. This is such an important topic, uh, and I know that prostate cancer has been top of mind for many of you in the audience, so we will be taking your calls at 866-801-8255. 866-801-TALK is the number. Uh, and so now let's get into our conversation. Uh, we welcome you back from zero. Uh, so glad to have you back, Dr. Tucker Seeley. Can you please, yes, let's give you that warm round of applause. Thank you so much for having us. Of course, of course. Uh, For those who may have missed the first time uh, that you were here on this show, can you please let us know what is the mission for Zero Cancer uh, and how do you do the work that you do? Yeah, so Zero is uh, the nation's uh, largest um, prostate cancer education, support, uh, and advocacy organization. Uh, We provide... um, Um, education through our um, online materials. Uh, We provide support through our support groups and we advocate for policies, in particular policies that remove financial barriers to screening and help folks as they navigate their prostate cancer journey. Mm, Thank you for that. I remember thinking, why didn't I know about you people before the last time you came on? Uh, Which is so interesting, Lord. We we hear that all the time. And so that is what, what we are trying to do is elevate, you know, the uh, make, to make sure zero is a household name so that we don't have to hear that people find out about us, you know, 
uh, much later. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm really glad that we get to have you as a part of this space. So this is such an important conversation. Uh, Chris, I'd like to bring you to the audience just so that they can hear your voice and be introduced to you. You have spent most of this year settling into your position as Director of Health Equity. Talk with us about your role and the types of programming you've been planning to help promote prostate cancer awareness in communities of color. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's definitely been it's been a hectic year trying to implement everything and, and just kind of get just kind of get the foundation settled. But um, I've been grateful to have such a phenomenal team and just such a great organization of folks that are truly supporting the work. Um, I know oftentimes we talk about equity, we talk about racial disparities, we talk about all that stuff, but oftentimes we don't get that support. Uh, so I am extremely grateful for the support that that I've had uh, throughout this time and kind of getting settled in. Um, some of the program that I, some of the programming that I've been really excited about, um, one in particular kind of jumps out to me, and that's the the prostate cancer in the Black community film series. Um, wow. And the reason, yeah, yeah, and the reason uh, that that's so exciting to me is because it's just a different kind of, um, it's a different vehicle to get the message out to folks, right? I think oftentimes, you know, we talk about health in the Black community, and we talk about um, not the, I don't want to say the same old things, not the same generic things, but I think this is a way that kind of gets the message out in a way that is very unique and just different. So it resonates with different types of, with different types of people. So with the work of equity, right, we want to reach everybody where they're at. So I think this is, this is just another uh, vehicle to actually do that. Um, so yeah, so very I, I excited. Got, I got to stop you there because when I yeah. hear prostate cancer and film series. I'm not quite sure I'm envisioning the right thing. It's funny, yes. however, the guest we had on earlier who was talking about uh, Crohn's disease was talking about the fact that we need to not just study the same couple of diseases that we study in the black communities. There's a whole body full of diseases uh, that also need yeah. attention, prostate cancer being one of them. But I'm gonna need you to break down this prostate cancer and film series. Yes. Are, are there films about prostate cancer starring yeah, they like, are. you know, are there really? are. Okay, break this down. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. Um, so so with this film series, uh, essentially what it is, is we go to different communities, uh, obviously primarily black communities, and we'll bring a film with us. Uh, right now we're working with three wonderful filmmakers, um, and they all, they each have films about prostate cancer in the black community and what that looks like navigate, navigating them as a black person. Um, they are extremely powerful, extremely moving. Um, we've had two that we've implemented and, and brought into into the community, uh, both in Atlanta, Georgia, um, and the feedback has been extremely phenomenal. Mm -hmm. um, so that what that looks like is we'll show the film. Uh, after the film, we'll actually have a panel, and that panel will consist of a urologist or a provider. Um, we'll have a researcher on there. We'll have our facilitator, who Reggie, luckily Reggie kind of doubles as both of those. Uh, so we have that kind of in-house. We'll also have the filmmaker on there. Um, we'll have a community member um, slash survivor, prostate cancer survivor on there. And so what we really want to do with that is honestly get questions answered and then really just open up the conversation and challenge folks to be able to actually talk about this. Mm. Um, and I know we'll get more into that later on, but that's 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 essentially what the flow of that looks like. And it's like I said, it, it's been really powerful and I've been very proud to be a part of it. I'm so impressed because, again, I'm being reminded and, and again, with our, our earlier caller or our earlier guest, the idea of not abandoning culture but doubling down on culture and using that as a yeah. primary tool for health advocacy nobody else can do that but us i'm just saying we are yes. some of the best leaders that we have been looking for uh so dr tucker seeley the last time you were here you explained how uh, health disparities manifest in cancer prevention uh, and prostate cancer incidences in particular uh, can you give us the quick recap on why black communities in particular suffer such disproportionately negative outcomes when it comes to a cancer type that 
is supposed to have a pretty good survival rate. Like we should not be saying, yes. you know, I buried so-and-so because they had prostate cancer. Right. Like this is a cancer that we should be able uh, to navigate and come out on the other side of. What is it about our community? Uh, just as a reminder that has us sort of tied up in this space where that does not seem to be the case. I think it's important to note that across many cancers, black people have the worst outcomes. Mm. And so it's not, it, it, it is in prostate cancer, but it is across, you know, several other cancers as well. And so I think it's important to first think about, you know, we as researchers think about cancer from prevention, detection, diagnosis. So, so what happens in screening, what happens in treatment, what happens post-treatment. So that would be survivorship. And then, you know, what happens uh, towards end of life across that continuum, unfortunately, black people generally do worse. And why do we do worse? We do worse because of, of several issues. So one is, you know, lack of resources. Um, so, you know, we, we may encounter financial hardship. We may have financial hardship before we get screened or before we enter the healthcare delivery system. Um, and then also, um, you know, issues related to knowledge, health literacy, uh, issues related to beneficial social connections. So mm. being able to get into the healthcare delivery system, having access to high quality healthcare, health um, um, healthcare. Um, and also our, the quality of our healthcare is linked to the quality of the type of health insurance we have, which wow. is linked to the jobs that we have, wow. because you have to have, you have to have a job to have health insurance generally. Right. And so when, when we continue to make, make those links, black people generally sort of are on the, on the low end of the hierarchy, sort of across, across those, across those things. So, mm. so unfortunately we have um, sort of poor health outcomes across many cancers and unfortunately prostate cancer um, as well. And, and it is unfortunate, as you mentioned, because when caught early, prostate cancer has almost a 100% um, uh, uh, survival. So, wow. and, and of course the, there, there are the other issues, you know, we, we often talk about men don't want to talk about their health, men don't want to go, go to the doctor. But it's not just the men don't want to go to the doctor. For many of us, we don't want to enter a racist healthcare delivery system. So seems rational. <laughs> seems yeah, perfectly so rational. Yeah. So healthcare providers have to be trustworthy partners to us when we enter the healthcare delivery system to make sure that we get what we need from that system that we're entering. I'm working on a theory. Um, it's not just my theory. Plenty of people have said this, that I, I am now presuming everything is racist until proven otherwise, because like everything's racist until proven otherwise. And I, I feel like when it comes to, you know, as an attorney in the legal profession, I have to presume that my clients have been wounded by this legal profession. And part of that wound came because mm -hmm. they're black. If I were in the medical mm -hmm. community, which one day I may be, I'm still going to be a midwife. Y'all, mm -hmm. I promise you that's going to happen. Yeah. Like I have to presume my patients have had mm -hmm. negative impacts or negative interactions mm -hmm. with the medical history or medical system and that racism was a part of that I have to presume that mm -hmm. if I'm going to be effective for them because it's so very mm -hmm. pervasive and you know Chris the mm -hmm. last time that zero was on this show uh, we had a lot of callers and you all can give us a call at 866-801-8255 866-801-TALK we had many callers who were really able to connect with the stories that were being shared it was almost uh, part of it almost became a little bit of testimony time like well I too and I also and me as well and it was sort of like that yeah brother I've been there with you or Yes, says my family also. What is it about the stories, the personal stories that can drive men from our communities to be more open to not just speaking their truth, but taking in information that can help their truth to improve, that can help them make better decisions? What is it about the storytelling feature that features so prominently in our ability to get the help that we need? 
Yeah, I think I think it's that level of comfort, right? Knowing that this isn't something that you're going through alone. And I think that's something that oftentimes, you know, we've I I, I know Reggie and I had a, a great conversation. We were able to go speak uh, with a church in, in Atlanta, Georgia, Impact Church. And um, I think one thing that I had mentioned was, you know, what I, I can almost guarantee you if you turn to the person to your right or to your left, um, and ask them about prostate cancer, they'll know somebody if they weren't uh, impacted by prostate cancer. And so I think just being able to provide folks with that uh, with that space and with, with a safe space, right, especially Black folks, uh, you know, to Reggie's point, we always hear this narrative around Black folks don't want to talk about health, you know, Black men in particular don't want to want to talk about health, and we have a support group, and, and the irony of that is our Black men support group folks talk about everything in that, right? Like, wow. but the reason being is because they feel comfortable, right? Um, so just being able to provide people with that space and that opportunity to be able to to kind of, you know, like you said, give their testimony, I think is, is something that we should continue to do. So one thing I do when I have guests on is I take notes, right? Like I've got pages and pages of notes from just conversations I have with every guest. And our last, I keep, it, what's crazy about this is that y'all were not on when we had our last guest on. And she was talking about a completely different area of the body, but she said something very similar. Culture leads to comfort, which leads to being willing to be vulnerable, which is where the growth can happen. And I hear you, Chris, saying the very same thing, that when you create a culturally responsive environment, people are able to show up more comfortable and are willing to then be, be, be vulnerable enough to not oh, just share, yeah. but to receive. Uh, but Chris, you look a little youthful. What's, how, I, are you, how are you connected to this? I, what is your why for this? How are you somebody, yeah. again, you, look, you appear youthful. I know black don't crack. But, <laughs> but what, is your, what drove you to this space? How is this some yeah. area that you are now dedicating your apparently yeah. youthful life uh, to dealing with this? What, what is the personal story for you here? Yeah, yeah. so I, I mean, I say it all the time. Anytime I get the opportunity, I go on my little soapbox. I, I love black people. I love my people. Well, there, um, and there so it is. And, You're and, a friend and so, already. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, for me, the one thing is, you know what, I, I've been very fortunate and lucky to have been able to navigate my life and, and get the privileges that I've had. Um, and so I figured I'd be able to, you know, use these privileges and these tools um, to help folks that, that are in my community, proud, proud Los Angeles native, South Central. So anything I can do to help out my community, more than happy to do that. And obviously the disparities are just so incredibly high. Yeah. Um, it's it's disgusting in the prostate world. So more than happy to to help out. So y'all, I just y'all know I believe in themes and loving black people has covered a multitude of sins. That's all I'm gonna say. I know the love of Jesus does as well. I'm just saying loving black people will cause you to make life decisions and to engage in areas that are going to be service driven. So that's a message. That's a freebie. Y'all can just take that one and tuck it away for later. Uh, Dr. Tucker Seeley, uh, can you talk with us a bit about some of the biggest challenges uh, to successful public health prevention efforts? Do you find that people are missing screenings for uh, a small set of reasons? Are they missing screenings due to that lack of healthcare engagement, not having access, not knowing about clinical trials? What tends to be some of the primary disconnection points between Black men and getting access to the help that's available? I'm, I'm glad that, that, that you said points, because I think oftentimes we look for very simple solutions here. Mm. Um, and, and, there, and there isn't one answer for, for why Black folks are not engaging in the healthcare delivery system and, and getting screened. I, I think for some, it is, you know, a lack of access. So that is, you know, having having the screening sort of readily available. 
I think oftentimes too, we assume, especially those of us on the higher, you know, socioeconomic end who have very flexible jobs, who can, you know, take time off and, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily impact us, assume that, that the rest of the world operates that way as well. And so I think we have to remember that, you know, for, for many of us, we have jobs where we may not necessarily be able to, to step away hmm. or if we do step away that we are penalized financially for right. for stepping away so 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 making sure that 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 those screenings are you know easily accessible to people i think is is an important aspect the other thing is sort of knowing the system we we often talk about you know health literacy and sort of what people know um, about health. I think there's there's health literacy, what you know about health, there's, there's health insurance literacy, so who's going to pay for the screening. Um, there's there's health system literacy. Who do I go for the screening? Is it my primary care doctor? Is it a specialty care doctor? And for many of us, the, the words urologist, medical oncologist, we may not have no idea what what those are. So right. so it, it, it's also, I'm, I'm not sure about, about your listeners, I, I often say I hate surprises. Even surprise birthday parties, I I hate surprises, and so <laughs> and so it's it's important that 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 we share with people what to expect when they go for a screening. What what is the conversation? What happens after the screening? And for many folks, they don't know. And so that that's where organizations like Zero come in, where we provide you know information about sort of what can you expect as you're navigating you know from 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 the community to your primary care doctor, to your specialty care doctor, back to your primary care doctor, we want to be able to provide, you know, that information. So none of it is a surprise to men as they're navigating that journey. That's so important. I, I am a fan of surprises. I love throwing surprise parties, but duly noted, I don't want any surprises yeah. when it comes to my health care. Uh, I don't even yes. want the feeling of dread or anticipation when it comes to my health care. So I, I get it. That makes perfect sense. I'm seeing 866-801-8255, 866-801-TALK is the number. I'm seeing in one of the chats, shout out to the Nubia chat folks, a question about uh, food and its ability to either promote cancers like prostate cancer or inhibit cancers like prostate cancer. Do we know of any connections between diet and cancer formation, uh, cancer growth, cancer spread? Is there anything about our diets that we're yet aware of? Keeping in mind that we have been told by other doctors who were telling on y'all that y'all don't get a whole lot of training on nutrition and health. So, so what is the, what is the tea, Dr. Tucker? Seaton? Yes. Okay. Yes. And, and I want, and I want to preface this by saying I'm not a medical doctor, nor am I a nutritionist. Okay. And so I, I will say that that there aren't really any um, sort of um, evidence-based um, uh, preventative tools that have been sort of put out around prostate cancer. Generally, what what physicians will tell us is, you know, a, a heart healthy lifestyle. Mm. A heart healthy lifestyle is also good for for cancer as well. So. So making sure that you eat, you know, um, fruits and vegetables, making sure that you get plenty of exercise, whatever that sort of, you know, heart healthy lifestyle is that that's going to be helpful for, um, for, for cancer as well. I think what, what I would encourage folks to, to, to do is to have that trusted relationship with your primary care doctor so that these kinds of questions, so that you're comfortable asking them and you're comfortable, mm -hmm. you know, having that conversation with the provider, someone who actually knows this information. And if you aren't comfortable having that conversation with your provider, try to get a new provider. 
I know that's right. Uh, Dr. Tucker Seeley, can you give us just, you know, a snapshot on, on some of the, the way that the flow of conversation in the men's support groups go? Because, you know, I got, we got some brothers who be listening. And we just want to make yes. sure, you know, before they call and go on your website, they may, yep. you know, just might want to know a little bit of something. Yep. something. Give us a little bit of a, a, a walkthrough without revealing confidences, yep. of course, yes. uh, as to what the nature of the conversation in those support groups looks like, sounds like, and feels like. Sure. Yeah. So um, Chris mentioned our... Um, um, our prostate cancer in the black community film series. And one of the uh, prostate cancer survivors said something to me that I thought was very relevant to our support groups. He said, our vulnerability is our strength. Huh. And in those support groups, I see so much strength. Wow. The, the men in those support groups share things from their sexual health, their mental health. Um, I should also mention our, our uh, support groups are led by a licensed mental health practitioner. So he is very skilled at, at helping the men navigate, you know, their, their emotions and their feelings as they are um, navigating their, their prostate cancer journey. Um, and so some of the things that, that men talk about are the, the types of treatments that they, that they engaged in, the, whether or not um, they, they had a second opinion, sort of all of the issues related to um, sort of navigating prostate cancer journey, nothing has been off limits, mm. nothing. And that's important because I, you know, just in having conversations with my own, you know, family members before, as they were navigating this space, you know, there were a lot of concerns that in a space of vulnerability, you know, I had a family member talk about concern about sexual function and being able to still quote, perform like a man. And in my head, I'm like, could you live? Like, can we worry about the performance later? Like, can you just keep taking breaths? But, you know, in my, you know, youth and in my relationship hierarchically to the person, I wasn't able to offer that advice. And I think that had they had access to other men mm-hmm. uh, who were having similar questions and, and similar concerns that would have done a lot, I think, to prevent uh, some of the fear that unfortunately mm-hmm. many people do indeed have. Um, Chris, when it comes to the structural disparities, you all at Zero are doing a lot of work to help disrupt the way that structural disparities can sort of prevent us from getting access to the information that we need. Uh, but what are the ways that structurally we can address some of these disparities? Or do you think that it should be more about uh, direct community engagement, you know, people to people. I'm at this point when it comes to things like politics, I'm like, yes, we need everyone to invest in black people to organize, but black people are gonna have to have a, a nobody else cares about us plan, which means we gotta organize for ourselves. Is that yeah. also true within the medical community? Are there things that we could be doing now that would disrupt our inability to access this information? Or do you think this direct community culture driven to community like film series. No, we're going to get these folks in a space where we can be us like, or is it a a both? And what do you think is going to be most effective in terms of moving the needle? Look, I've had this conversation so many times, right? I love, I love protesting. I think protesting is so important, but on the other hand, you need both protest and policy to make things work. Right. And I think have you been listening to this show? I think think that might be a direct quote. <laughs> you, need, you need both. You need both to make it happen, right? Um, and I think that's something that we often talk about. Uh, I know Reggie and I have had multiple conversations about this, right? It's so hard to make these things actually happen because you have to do both at the same time, mm-hmm. and that's incredibly hard to happen. Yeah. Um, it's not impossible, but just very incredibly hard to to happen. So I, I've always, I've I've always been one to say, you know what? We need to continue to kind of promote. Um, community and also the stakeholders that we're bringing to the table, right? We need to be able to bring folks that are actually on the ground to the table um, while we're building our own, right? Because you can't rock the boat enough to subside it because you still need something to be able to to kind of be there, right? 
So for me, I've always said you need both uh, protests and policy. So I'm, I'm definitely big on being able to, to make sure that we have um, programs and things that are within the community that are speaking directly to folks from the community. But we also need to get into the we need to get into those places where we're going to be able to structurally change things. Um, Reggie said it a bazillion times, and I and I I 100% agree by it. Right, well, a singular person is not going to be able to tear down an entire system. Mm. Um, and I think we need to we need to continue to recognize that everything that we're battling against uh, as Black folks, uh, any any minority in any minority group, right. Anything that we're battling against has strategically kind of been placed in, in, in and built that way mm. um, to support the people that it was supposed to support. So we need to continue to recognize that and continue to find ways to structurally improve that and kind of revamp those things. Yeah, I like and, that. And one of the things, and one of the things that, that that we always say on our team is that we are not going to educate our way out of this issue. And so we need we need the help of the healthcare system, but. If you ask a healthcare provider, no individual healthcare provider is going to say, yes, I'm providing inequitable care. Mm. And so and so, what we're going to have to do is bring the individuals together and the system together to recognize where we can make sustainable change. Wow. And we have to do it together. And it's, it, it's hard to think on sort of multi-levels and the individual, the system, you know, the policy level, that, that's really challenging. But the COVID pandemic showed us that we can do hard things. Mm. We can. We can do hard things. We, we can. can. When, we, and we when, must. When we want to. That's right. Yeah. We can, we, you knew where I was going we, with that. Yeah, I did. There's got to be that political willpower. Yes. Right. Yes. Uh, all yes. I know is, you know, we we protested for many years for various pieces of legislation mm -hmm. in New York City. And it wasn't until those protests were, well, we advocated, I should say, for many years for legislation. Mm -hmm. But when that advocacy met up with the protests, man, yep. they were signing legislation left and right. Yes. So you do need yes. all of it. You need it all to come together. Mm -hmm. um, Dr. Tucker Seeley, one of the things that I'm always aware of is that when we talk about issues that pertain to black people, we often don't realize that we're, we're also siloing ourselves in some way. I, I think about this a lot when the issue of black LGBTQ plus members come up because some people feel as though we have black people and then you have LGBTQ plus people. But we often forget, well, some forget, we will not let them forget on this channel, that you got a lot of us that, you know, they're, they're both. Like we are in, you're in that space of intersection and we don't often do a really good job about talking about issues of prostate cancer when it comes to having in, an inclusive discussion that it talks about what it's like to navigate prostate cancer as a gay man, as a bisexual man, as a transgender woman. Uh, and so when it feels in some ways like we're moving backwards when it comes to issues of race, when it comes to issues of equality on a whole host of platforms, how can we ensure mm. that our black LGBTQ plus family members and, and community members have access to this information as well? Are they also included in the brother the brother conversation? That's what I'm calling it. I don't know if that's the real name, but are they, are they also able to participate in those spaces and are there resources specifically for uh, black folk who are navigating prostate cancer as also a part of the LGBTQ plus community? So that is a great question. And, and as a member of both of those communities, I take that question very, very seriously. Mm -hmm. I, and and um, to say that we have figured it out would be um, not an honest response to that question. Yeah, I would say that that is something that we are we are trying to figure out as an as an organization. Um, we've had several or several conversations within our organization in terms of we, we do have um, um, a gay men's group and we have a black men's group. And so your your question is a good one. How right. do we bring together the black for... gay men's group? <laughs> exactly. And so we've had that conversation in terms of do we do we need to have another group that is just 
you know, for black men that are that are that are gay or bi or bisexual, or do we need a trans a trans woman's uh, trans women's group? Those are all conversations we're having and listening to our community in terms of how best to to meet their need because the issues of of sex and sexuality are such a key component um, of of prostate cancer as people are navigating prostate health uh, and prostate cancer. Mm. So I, I'm appreciating that there is room for growth, <laughs> and that we are going to expand uh, the no notions of inclusivity when it comes to this conversation, because it's just it's just vitally important. And I, I feel personally compelled that whenever we're having conversations about black issues and LGBTQ plus issues, it is my responsibility to remind us that, y'all, there's this whole other segment of people who are in both yes. of those spaces. And I think more of us have to be yes. clear and committed to doing that so that we disrupt sort of these binary discussions that that leave a whole mm -hmm. significant portion of our community left out in the cold. Right. Uh, right. Chris, I know we're coming to the end of our time together, but you know, when it, you're considering the public health communications aspect of, of prostate cancer, cancer awareness, prevention efforts, uh, they're, they're kind of white. I'm just, yeah. you know, they're kind of white. Like you, you see the commercials as much white people. You would mm -hmm. think that the only people who get cancer are white people. Um, mm -hmm. And the way marketing companies sort of navigate this space is kind of what they do in all the other spaces. We are an afterthought, if a thought at all. How can we engage in our people messaging? And I'm asking this for, yes, general edification, but also as someone who has seen what can happen when I take mm -hmm. any topic, civics enga in engagement in particular. If I have a census conversation with white people on the census, ain't nobody coming. But when I talk about, right. so remember that three-fifths clause, remember the resources you didn't have for your school, and then I put a bunch of black people on the poster, I can pack a room. Huh. What is it right. about marketing that needs to change when it comes to ensuring all of us have access to the education and information that we need in a way that feels like we are supposed to be there and we're not just busting up into the white people them uh cancer yeah. conversation yeah i think so i think there's two things uh that come to mind for sure so the first thing is is reggie had mentioned being a trustworthy partner right if we're in this space especially black folks right um you know folks might interact with folks on a health equity team and they might look like us on this call right but the rest of the organization might not look like that so we have to do a good job of being able to build that trust and being and, and become a, a trustworthy partner right so we talk about three things in particular when we talk about being a trustworthy partner. We talk about competence, we talk about being honest about things, and we talk about being reliable. Um, I feel like if we can cover those three bases, then that helps at least solidify what that foundation for being a trustworthy partnership uh, partner looks like. Um, the other thing that I think of is just being an authentic, uh, just being an authentic messenger, right? Um, and I think that is where we struggle, right? Some it's 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 I mean to be trans to be completely honest, it's been so. It's been so uh, it's been so fake, right? The messaging about why we're caring about black folks just seems fake and very inauthentic. So if we can continue to just be authentic, um, especially for our people, right, for our communities, if we can continue to be authentic about the fact that, yes, we know the messaging, we know the marketing has not been something that it, it's been very performative. If we know that we can change, we know that we can change it. We need to continue to figure out ways how to to, to do that in order to make sure that we can resonate uh, within our communities. Um, I know I've had a ton of conversations with folks from, you know, from the Bay, from New York, from from the South, Georgia, Florida, everywhere in black communities. And they're like, you know, we talk about all these different types of things, but we do not talk about like prostate cancer within the community, but it's affecting us the most. Um, so why is that? What kind of messaging? That means that the messaging is not resonating with folks. So we need to continue to do a better job. Organizations like Zero need to continue to, to do the work um, and actually do the work. And I think there are other organizations out there that are doing it. but 
we need to continue to build up, uh, you know, to build up to be those trustworthy partners. It's amazing to me how important authenticity is for message delivery for our community, while at the same time, so many of us are taught to be inauthentic so that we can pursue these goals, pursue these career paths, pursue these dreams. And yet, when it comes to effective messaging for our folks, is right back home uh, where you started, yeah. which is where the, the strength and the power is. Uh, final question for both of you. Dr. Tucker, I'm going to drop that code, code switching thing in there. That was, oh, we, we caught that. Yes. We caught it. We yeah. got it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I have been um, really committed to throughout my career, even when I was in corporate law, is that you're going to get this real voice, right? Even when I was blogging, you're going to catch this real voice. Like, we're going to have this real conversation, your honor. Because um, otherwise, who am I talking to? Like, right, if I can't be my authentic, black, loving, black people self in all the spaces, and this audience is not all black. We have a very diverse audience. But if I can't show up in that way here... Who the hell am mm. I benefiting? Like, certainly not myself right. <laughs> or anybody yes. else. Yes. Um, yes. So code yes. switching is definitely a part of that as well. Thank you for, for making that plain. Uh, so <laughs> to both of you and Dr. Tucker, Steely, I'm going to start with you. What is okay. the most important point that you think out of everything we've talked about before today, even if it's not something that has come up today, what is the most important mm -hmm. thing that you think black communities need to know about prostate cancer? And Chris, I'll come to you with the same question after. Um, talk within your families. Um, I think oftentimes, I mean, similar to the to the, what you said at the beginning, I wish I would have known about you earlier. Yeah, we 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 hear that a lot, but we also hear, I didn't know this relative had prostate cancer till after they died. Oh my god! And so, talk within your families. We have to know because, in addition to um, um, age being a risk factor for, for cancer. It's also, if you have first degree relatives who have had prostate cancer, that's also a risk factor. So wow. talk within your families. And for black men, if you are around 40 years old, start talking to your primary care doctor to get your PSA test. Mm. What you need is that ba that baseline number so that then you get it tested again, because what, what is most important, not necessarily that number, but the, the change in that number, so the velocity, so that is how much is it changing over time? Wow. And big jumps in that number um, mean that you would need to see a specialist. But you won't know about the big jumps if you don't have a baseline. Is, is that correct? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yes. All, right. All about that base, y'all. Get that baseline. Uh, Chris, what would you say the most important point that folks should take from yeah. this discussion? Yeah, definitely. Just to, to double down on, on what Reggie was saying. I mean, so I'm a, I'm a basketball guy played professional basketball for a while after school. And I think uh, Oscar Robertson has a great quote about uh, prostate cancer uh, where he said, you know, nobody talked about prostate cancer within his community and his life until people die from it. Mm. And I think that's, and that's real, right? Like that, that is what, that is what we're fighting. That is what we're up against uh, right now in the black community. So for me, I would say normalize having these conversations, uh, normalize being vulnerable uh, especially folks that identify as black men, right? Like we're just taught to just always be strong, always be on, always be those providers. And in reality, you know, our caretakers, the, you know, the folks in our life, the women, our partners, like they, they want us here, right? Our families want us here. Absolutely. So if we can continue to have those conversations, they're hard conversations. Um, but if we can continue to have those conversations, that's only going to benefit us and, and our, and our nuclear cores and our communities in the long run. So continue to normalize those conversations and, and get those conversations started earlier. 
Ashe, Ashe. All right, I said that was the last question. I lied. Uh, one last question for each of you. Uh, Dr. Tucker Seeley, what are the projects that you're working on and how can we find and support Zero Cancer Online? I believe you all are a nonprofit. Correct me if I'm wrong. It yes. is Giving Tuesday, yes. Giving Season. Uh, yes, so, it so, is. And then, Chris, my question for you will be how can we follow you in the work that you're doing online? So, Dr. Tucker Seeley, let's start with you first. Yes. So yes, it is Giving Tuesday, Zero Cancer, uh, uh, ZeroCancer.org. Uh, please go to our website if you want to support, you know, any of our of our of our projects, our our film series. Um, we have we have that project. We have our support groups. We have a, a podcast series where we have conversations with with survivors. Um, we also we just had our health equity symposium uh, uh, last week. So so that is online. Um, um, and the individual sessions are are on YouTube. So nice. so check those out. And and also as Chris mentioned, um, and I'll and I'll, I'll let him plug our our film series, which we are hoping to expand to other cities. I love it, Chris. Go right ahead. Yeah, no. So I'll just I'll jump into the film series. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm working on the film series, working on making sure that we can implement that across the country. Um, we're looking at a few different places right now. Uh, so if, if folks are interested, please reach out. Please, please, please reach out. Um, Chris at zerocancer.org uh, is, is my email. So folks, please feel, re feel free to uh, reach out to me that way. And that's Chris um, with a K-R-I-S, yeah, right? K-R-I-S, yeah, right. at zerocancer.org, yeah. Um, so please feel free to reach out to me if you're interested in bringing that film series to your community. More than happy to, to work with you to get that implemented and, and, and make that a real thing. Um, and then if folks want to follow me on socials, uh, not on Twitter anymore. So Instagram, that kid juice, uh, please feel free to, to follow me on that. Um, and just honestly, anything else that we can do at zero, more than happy to, to work with you to, to make sure that we can get these conversations started and continued. So I lied again. That was my last question, but now I have a, a follow-up question to the last question. So if I were part of, say, a civic group or a church or a, mm -hmm. a fraternity or a sorority, I could reach out to Chris at zerocancer.org and request yep. a film screening. I could, like, bring this to my local community? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. You could reach out to me. We'll make, it, we'll make it happen. We'll get you connected to resources, make sure that you get the toolkits and, and, and other things that you need, uh, get you connected to our support group. We've got a lot of great tools. We really do. Um, but we just want to make sure that we're, we're getting them out to folks. So that's the easiest way. I love it. So Thank I you want, both. Oh, yes. Go I, right ahead. As the, yep. And, and leading this team, I want to say that we can't do it tomorrow because it's, it's just three of us. Right. So we, but, but, but we are, but we are happy to, we are happy to work with you to, to make sure that, that, you know, we can schedule a time where we can have the film series in your community uh, and work with your organization to increase education and awareness around prostate cancer generally and prostate cancer disparities specifically. I had to laugh because as a fellow leader of a super small team, <laughs> you got to be like, okay, now we can't come. It ain't going to be this week. I'm just saying, give us some time. It's been such a pleasure having both of you here. Really appreciate you helping us to navigate a really challenging conversation, one that I think is so very important. Uh, and not just because my own personal connection to it, but because it's just far too many of our brothers uh, are taken from yes. us for far too many reasons. And if we can prevent some of them, then I will feel like we've accomplished some things. Thank you both for being with us today. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Oh my.